Good morning. This morning's uh, scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 18, and you can find it in your bulletins on page 6. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. If you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, you may know, or if you're just jumping in with us and visiting, you don't know, but we have been enjoying a series across the season of Advent, meditating on this one passage of scripture, John chapter 1. And we've had different pastors across our Grace DC network preaching on this one text, different angles, different aspects of this very, very rich passage telling us about the coming of God in Christ. Today, we have a special guest uh, from whom we will hear the preaching of God's word, and that's Pastor Russ Whitfield, who is the pastor of Grace Mosaic Church, one of the three congregations in the Grace DC network. And I'm thrilled to share him with you, not only because of his gifts and his faith, but also because of his friendship. Because you know, guys, you can't do ministry without friends. And Russ has been a dear friend uh, to me, and together with his wife Vanessa and his kids too, uh, they have been wonderful sources of fellowship and support uh, for my family. And so I'm thrilled uh, for you to jump in the middle of our love for one another. But brother, why don't you come on up and um, let's welcome him together. Good morning, Meridian Hill. Look, I told Duke, he came to my church, and uh, we have a Christmas tree we, we rent from a church as well. And uh, at the top of that Christmas tree was not your average angel. It was an angel that looked like Diana Ross. And uh, 
But I said I was going to be the better man. Duke pointed out our uh, Diana Ross angel. I said, I'm going to be the better man. I'm not going to do anything, but, uh, um, but I'm really glad. I almost lost my breath, by the way, coming up to this pulpit. Um, I always tell people I'm, I'm in shape, but that shape is round. And um, I am glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, as Pastor Duke said, we have been working through this Advent series in the Gospel of John. And I want to keep this morning brief, on point, and I'm going to have to watch that. Brief, on point, uh, but, but to get to the heart of what Advent is all about in this Gospel of John, um, particularly chapter 1. So uh, let, me, let me offer a quick prayer and get rolling. Father, thank you. Thank you for the family of faith. We are grateful to hear the little squeals and cries and Grateful that you, God, were so humble that at one time you took on this form because you loved us, because your love was enduring, because your love was measureless, and that you, that you made yourself low so that you could raise us up. We are grateful, Lord, and we pray that right now you would help our hearts to latch on to the hope of the gospel this morning. We love you and pray for your grace in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look at the various ways that the writers of the four Gospels approach the life of Jesus, there are some interesting things to take note of. The first thing is this. They each take a different approach to how they tell the story of Jesus. They begin him in, in different places. Matthew's Gospel begins Jesus way back with Abraham and David because what he wants to show you is that Jesus has a connection to the people of Israel. And he's their savior. If you look at Mark, Mark begins with the ministry of Jesus. He gets right down to business because he wants to zero in on all that Jesus did and taught. He's trying to give you the beginning of Jesus' ministry life. Luke begins with the earthly life of Jesus. He takes you to the birth and the beginning of Jesus' earthly life. But when you come to the Gospel of John... You get to the real beginning. You get to the real beginning because John wants you to understand exactly who it is that he wants you to believe in. He wants you to know just who this person is. He may have appeared to be nothing more than a poor rabbi. He may have appeared to be nothing more than a revolutionary and a rabble rouser in Israel. But what John wants to show you is that he, before he took on this humble appearance, he was God. And so we begin in the beginning. And as we read the very first words, y'all, it should channel for us something in our memory. Because any, any first century reader at this time would have instantly known what John was trying to do when he started off his gospel saying, in the beginning. As soon as we read these first words of John's gospel, we're being invited to remember how the story of God began. How did the story of God begin? Listen to it from Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and empty. And darkness was over the face of the deep. 
But the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. I want to mark something for you. Without form, empty, and darkness. Without form, and empty, and darkness. This is the language that's used to capture the context for God's creative work in the beginning. But what I want you to notice is what follows. The earth was without form and empty and darkness, but the Spirit of God was hovering and God said. It's setting a context and then it's showing you what God does in light of the formlessness, the chaos, if you will, and the emptiness and the darkness. And right from the beginning of the story, right from the beginning, John is channeling Genesis for us to show us that, that this word, this Jesus, this son of God, is the same God who in the beginning stepped to the formlessness and formed it. He's the same God who steps to the emptiness and fills it. He's the same God who steps to the darkness and scatters it with his light. That he's trying to get your imagination work. And he's trying, you know, a lot of times, y'all, a lot of times people try to treat the Bible and try to treat the Christian faith as if it's a dictionary. You learn a bunch of definitions. Okay, I got it. Sanctification. Okay, I got it. Justification. All right, are you sanctified? No. But... You see what I'm saying? The definitions aren't going to do it for you. But what you see in Scripture a lot of times is that God gives us a story. Because the story draws us in. It captures our imaginations. And I, what I would propose to you is that our greatest need is that we need reimagination. We need to reimagine what our lives could be like. We need to reimagine what our families could be like. What our relationships could be like. What work could be like? What serving neighbor could be like? Could you imagine? Uh, could you imagine a scenario in which you actually delighted in serving your neighbors when they make you mad? I, I, I know it's hard to imagine, but could you imagine a day in which you were more you, you were more delighted to give than to receive? Could, could you imagine? A day in which your first instinct was repentance and humility when you did wrong rather than defensiveness and anger. We need to reimagine. And so we're given a story and John's inviting us. He's drawing us in. He's saying, come on, come on, y'all, y'all, y'all. Y'all need to check this out because I'm about to lay it on you about who Jesus is based upon what we have in the story of creation in the beginning. From the very beginning, God reveals himself. As one who will step up to the formlessness and form it. One who will step up to the emptiness and fill it. One who will step up to the darkness and scatter it. In the creation story, y'all, what I want you to hear me saying is this. We see the creative potential when the spirit is hovering over that drama and that chaos and that formlessness and that emptiness and that darkness. We see the creative potential of God when the Spirit is hovering over it and when the Lord is speaking into it. Here's what I want you to imagine today. I know 
that there are plenty of aspects of your life and your relationships that feel chaotic, formlessness. I know that many of us deep down inside, based upon how we're experiencing life and the things we're wrestling through, feel a bit of emptiness. I know that all of us feel the darkness. 2017 was a hard year. There were lots of things that revealed the darkness of our culture for all of its you know, big claims of having arrived and enlightenment and, and knowledge and, you know, we're not those people. There were a lot of moments this year where we saw the darkness, but that's not half as difficult a pill to swallow as knowing that all of the darkness out there is often overwhelmed by the darkness in here. It's there. It's there. We try to get rid of it, but sometimes the darkness is overwhelming. What does it mean to you? What if I told you you could reimagine a scenario in which the Spirit of God was hovering over that darkness? In a, in a, in a pregnant, creative kind of waiting to descend to those who ask, to those who call on his name, to those who look to him in faith and hope and repentance. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying to you today. That's where we're at. This is the creative potential. Because look, by the end of the narrative of creation in Genesis 1, what you have is a world that is bursting with life. It's teeming with joy and beauty and harmony, and all of the creation is a great symphony that calls out to the glory of God. That's the result once God gets done with the formlessness and the emptiness and the darkness in that passage. Now, John is saying... Meet the word, become flesh. Because we're about to talk about a second work of creation that God has done. We're about to talk about the new creation. Without form and empty and darkness. This same language could be used to describe the context into which the Son of God entered in the first century. People were living in terror. There was great oppression going on. The Jewish people were languishing under the, the boot of Rome. It was hard times. And they were longing. They, they were in a sort of advent waiting. When will God come? When will God do something about it? That was their context. But these same words can be used to describe our own life context. Right? We know that. It captures our own lives and our own neighborhoods and our own city. But we gather this Christmas Eve in hope because God still reveals himself as the one who steps up to form the formless, to fill the empty, and to scatter the darkness. He scatters it with his light, and that light is Jesus. Listen, y'all, when we couldn't work our way out of the darkness, when we couldn't spend our way out of the darkness, when we couldn't consume our way out of the darkness, when we couldn't achieve our way out of the darkness, when we couldn't romance our way out of the darkness, God sent his light into the darkness to scatter it. Do you know that? A lot of people are trying to push back the darkness by achieving. Maybe if I get more degrees, maybe if I get greater qualifications, maybe if I get a fancier job, that'll deal with the darkness. The darkness of, of, of emptiness and loneliness. You know, maybe if I get that new relationship, I can romance it away. Yeah, that, that'll help. You know, that, that's my problem is I, I need somebody. And it doesn't diminish the importance, like that longing you feel 
is, is you were created to have longings as a human being. And it's beautiful to see other relationships meeting them. But it can't meet it in the ultimate way. It can't push back the darkness. Married people will tell you that. Y'all can have that session afterward. <laughs> tell the, I tell the truth, shame the devil, y'all. Come on. Many of us try to spend, our, spend the darkness away. If I buy some new things, maybe if I get a new house. You know, this rental situation is kind of tight, man. I'm feeling life is squeezing me. I don't know. Maybe if I buy a new house, that'll make me feel better. That'll push back the darkness. Mm-mm. They won't do it. What we're trying to show in this text is that there is only one true, genuine light. That's why John says the true light, because there are false lights. There are false lights. Even the devil parades around as an angel of light. There are many ways that we're deceived by lesser lights. But John is trying to say there's a true light that can scatter that darkness. And that light is Jesus. Jesus is the light of love in, in the darkness of hatred. Jesus is the light of hope in the darkness of despair. Jesus is the light of mercy in the darkness of vengeance. Jesus is the light of humility in the darkness of arrogance. And the hope that he gives is as everlasting as he is. You will sooner break God than see any of his promises broken. He's the light. And when you look out into the world and you see the darkness, well, guess what? You have massive reason for hope. Not only that, when you look within and you see the darkness of hatred, let's be honest, we see it when people say things that offend our sensibilities and they don't, they don't think about life the same way we do and they don't share our politic. They don't, they, don't, they don't really care about the things we do. We resent them and then all over time that resentment can turn to hatred as much as we don't want to admit it. It can. When we see the darkness of despair in our lives, when we know that we are so quick to give up hope, and we are so quick to let the lamp burn out. When our patience runs its course and we despair. When that relationship isn't coming, when the work situation isn't changing, when the kids are being themselves. Despair! Who will free me from this body of death? Vengeance. We see vengeance too. It's not good enough when someone hurts us or offends us. It's not good enough for them to say sorry. Like we want, they, we want them to feel it. We want vengeance. Arrogance. Listen, I mean, look, do we need any convincing of the, of the darkness of arrogance in our own hearts? We can even see that coming up as we sit in there and we sit back and we critique everything that's being said for our benefit. We can, we can see the darkness of arrogance in our own hearts and the way that we deal with one another and try to put ourselves up just a little bit higher than one another. And when we see God's true light, that, that is what begins to dispel the darkness. Do you realize this morning that God is hovering over that darkness? That God has spoken and continues to speak through his son? A word that can scatter that darkness? Do you know what can scatter the darkness of hatred? The love of God and Jesus Christ. Not just any old warm, fuzzy, sentimentalism, Hallmark card love. I'm talking about 
dying on the cross, buried in the grave, risen again for your sins kind of love. I'm talking about a Sunday morning kind of love that wakes up and slaps a vacancy sign on the, on the tomb and says, all power has been given unto me. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. That's the kind of love that will shine the light into the darkness and dispel the hatred. I'm talking about the light of God's hope in the despair. What can lift your spirit like knowing God is present with you? What can lift you up like knowing that there's nothing you can do to diminish God's love and there's nothing you can do to add to it? What, 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 what is there that can lift your despair like knowing this, that God loved you as much yesterday morning as he did when he died on the cross for your sins? He loves you as much now as he did on that day when he was being beaten for your transgressions. His love doesn't waver. That, that can dispel the darkness of despair. What can light in and dispel the darkness of arrogance? But seeing the one who is rich beyond all splendor, for love's sake, be made poor. He didn't need you or me. He didn't need anything from us. But God wanted us to share in his goodness and love and light and beauty. And he would rather go through hell for you then go to glory without you. That is such good news. That's what begins to dispel the darkness. And what are we looking toward in the end? Where's it all headed? Well, we know in the end that that creative work will come to completion. And when that recreative work is done, we will see the world bursting with life and joy and beauty and harmony and new creation will swarm with symphonic activity to the glory of God once again. But it's not just going back to Genesis. It's going beyond Genesis. It's going to be Genesis plus. It's not going to be, it's not going to be Genesis version 8. It's going to be Genesis X. They use the iPhones. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Facial recognition because you're going to see his face, right? I'm sorry. I got off the, sorry. I got on my iPhone praise real quick, all right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Look, y'all, this is the final story. This is the end. This is, this is where it's going. But, but here's the impact for right now as I'm bringing it down to a close. When we look at the chaos of our neighborhoods, when we see the despair and emptiness of our lives, when our hearts ache because of the darkness that plagues our city, even then we can take hope that the Spirit of God is hovering over the darkness and God has spoken a word that will not return to him without accomplishing what he sent it for. We may have a long list of disappointments and losses and failures and griefs, but God has written a word over the top of it all, and that word is hope. His final word will be new. New that's all he has to do. He's the God who's spoken into existence. He's the God who sent his word made flesh into the, into the world to, to, to spark the new creation, to begin it, to kick it off. And the final word, all things new. In the first creation story, God saw that the light was good. God saw that the light was good. But in this new creation story, we can see that the light is good, and that light of the world is Jesus.
he has already started to form us as a new family. He has filled us with his spirit, and he has shown his light into our hearts. I like how the Apostle Paul put it. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's the light. Let me say a quick word about witness. It was just something I was meditating on, and it struck me this time in a fresh way, reading through the chapter. Notice how John puts it when he gets to, to, to John the Baptist. Verse 6, he says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, John, on his own lips, John the Baptist reiterates this later in the chapter, and he says something striking that I want you all to take away this morning. They say, who are you? He says, I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. I know that a lot of times when you're doing ministry, you get that savior complex and feel like it's all on you. You feel like it's in your strength and in your intelligence, and if you can just do this thing the right way, then you will affect the fruit. But you and I are not the Christ. And an even sharper translation is to say, I am not the king. I'm not sitting on the throne. And if you aren't meant to be sitting on the throne like that, then you don't have to carry the responsibilities for trying to do things that only a king can do. Your job is to participate. I'll end it like this. How do you bear witness? How do you shine light? One day I got a heavy package in the mail. It was quite heavy. And it was Vanessa, um, Amazon addiction. Um, see, I, I, I do that when she's not here because then I can get away with it, you know. But it's like every day there's something from Amazon. I was like, no, no. So I go and I pick the box up. And this is when my daughter Tiana was just three, three or four years old. And she comes up, and she puts her hand on the box, and she just starts walking like this beside me. I am straining under the weight of this box. And she puts her hand on it. She's walking beside me. She says, look, Daddy, I'm helping. That's us in ministry with God. Look, Daddy, I'm helping, right? You walk beside. He does the heavy lifting. You know how freeing that is? You can just be faithful. You can just be present, show up. You know, you don't have to figure it all out in your head while someone's sharing their problems. They're like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. No, no, you can just listen and be present and care and invest and take the long view and be with them, walk with them. I am not the Christ. How do you bear witness? First of all, you take the low road, which is the road we deserve to take. Because he is God and we are not. But let's bear witness to the light. We get to reflect it. But we are not the light in the way that John means it here. The good news is that God will use us in order, to, in order to put the spotlight on his son. So I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. And let it, be, let it be these kinds of reflections that you mull on, that the light has shone into, into the life of the world, into the life of your family, 
in your relationships into your own heart. And give God thanks and praise for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these friends. I'm grateful, Lord, that you're at work here, that you have provided for them, that you have given them a new space. We thank you for that, Lord. That's such, such a gift. And we thank you, Lord, for how you have brought new faces and that you have brought new members. And, Lord, for a new pastor. And, Lord, we, we are grateful for what's ahead. And we ask, Lord, your, your great blessing on Grace Meridian Hill. I pray that you would supply all their needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, I pray that you would relieve them of the burdens uh, that they shouldn't be carrying. Uh, help them to take your easy burden and your light yoke, Jesus. I pray that they would serve their neighbors faithfully, uh, that they would continue to persevere in that, and that they would be able to point to the great hope that they have in Jesus as they root more deeply in this place for the sake of the gospel. We love you and pray that our Christmas would be filled with sweet reflections, with deepening love and expanding hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everyone, please stand and we'll sing Silent Night. <laughs>